brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Chapter 14 Freedom Present. She leaves the shaman's trailer, squinting and raising a hand to her forehead to shield her eyes from the bright sun. Freedom sneezes, as she always does, when she first encounters bright sunlight. Growing up in the desert has not ever helped to remedy this problem. In her other hand, she holds the bear, swinging it up and down out of boredom. She is waiting for Harry, who she had to call to come pick her up and take her to work. She could have slept all day at the shaman's, but Freedom remembered she had a shift at the truck stop. It is a short one, thankfully. Just the dinner rush, and then she'll be free. Even though she is tired, she feels like letting loose and going out. She figures she owes that bitch Niwa a drink anyway for saving her life. She stands up by the road to wait for Harry. It is technically the shaman's front yard, but because she lives in a trailer, the whole expanse in front of her is just sand, brushy shrubs, and cacti. One of the shaman's cats, a gray tabby, comes up and winds itself around Freedom's legs, purring. Freedom puts her hand down to pet it, and the cat, thinking it's playtime, bites Freedom's finger. Shit! Ow! Freedom lightly kicks the cat and it goes running away and slinks under the trailer, hidden in the shade. She hears the white truck before she sees it. It is so quiet out. No one is outside. The heat is too intense today. Harry drives up to where Freedom stands, the vehicle kicking up dust into her face. She coughs and hoists herself up into the passenger seat. Dusty. Harry speaks one word before turning the car around and heading back toward the interstate. What the hell happened to you? He asks Freedom, giving her a sideways glance. What are you doing way out here? You just caught me. I would have left earlier, but one of the guys wanted to talk to me about something right before you called. Lucky you. Nothing, Freedom says, rolling down the window and lighting a cigarette. Harry turns the air conditioning up. It's too hot to have them windows rolled down. I got the AC on. Tough. I'm smoking. Had a traumatic experience. Must have. Harry gives up trying to fiddle with the controls on the temperature and turns on the radio. Merle Haggard sings, The Bottle Let Me Down. The only music anyone gets on the stations out in Peach Springs is old school country or Christian. Freedom will take country any day. 
Harry doesn't press for more information, for which Freedom is grateful. After throwing her cigarette out the window, she rolls it up, closes her eyes, and leans her head back against the headrest. After a few minutes, Harry speaks again. Hey, where'd you get that bear? Huh? Freedom opens her eyes. What bear? That stuffed animal. Harry points to the bear on the ground, situated between Freedom's feet. Freedom wiggles her foot on top of the bear's face, watching the dust settle over its eyes. Oh, yeah, I saw it at the church rummage sale. Creepy fucking bear. The shaman told me to hang on to it, some mumbo-jumbo about how the bear came to find me and that now it's on a journey with me or something pretty weird. I figured I'd just hang on to him. Let me see it, Harry says, taking his hand off the wheel and holding it out away from him. Freedom reaches down and retrieves the bear, wiping the dust off its eyes before handing it to Harry. It's just some kid's toy. I remember this. This talking bear was crazy popular back in the day. It was really expensive, too. I remember because I think the Mansies had one for their little girl to play with. It was the only one on the reservation. Who are the Mansies? Freedom asks, sitting up straighter in her seat. Kaya Mansi was a friend of your mother's. Used to be pals. They moved a few years back. Wonder whatever became of them. Harry checks the rearview mirror, straightens it. Well... I don't need this thing. Thought I'd just bring it back home for Lydia and A2 to play with. Does it still talk? Harry asks, pulling the white cord on its back. A garbled low sound comes out, the words unintelligible. The bear is speaking gibberish. It's as if a tape is being played in slow motion. Huh, he says. Must be pretty old. Freedom changes the subject. Can you drop me off at work? I gotta get in for the three o'clock shift. Sure, Harry responds, giving the accelerator a pump. I'll take the bear home to the kids. A2 will probably love it. Probably, Freedom says disinterestedly, closing her eyes again. She wakes up when the car pulls to a stop outside of the truck stop. She must have fallen asleep. The bear is still on her lap. She tosses it on the passenger seat when she gets out of the car. Thanks a lot, Harry. No problem, kid. Freedom checks her watch. Two minutes to spare. She runs up to the truck stop, brushing past Dakota, and into the back room where she grabs an extra apron from the hook on the wall. You're late. Dakota has followed her into the back room. No, I'm not. Get off my ass. Freedom walks past her into the dining room. Dakota ignores her and chirps as she waddles after her. Your boyfriend is here. Who? The guy with the sunglasses. He's been here since breakfast asking for ya. Oh, cool. Freedom acts disinterested, but secretly she is glad. She likes when Glasses is there. He is someone to talk to. He's funny. He gives her attention, too. She walks over to the expo line and, pretending to grab a plate, looks over her shoulder into the dining room. There he is at table 52, reading the paper. She sets down the plate and walks over to greet him. Read in the paper, huh? 
Freedom puts her right hand on her hip and cocks her head. Glasses brings the paper down slowly. Freedom can't see his eyes through his darkly tinted shades, but she notices a tiny smile play at the corner of his mouth. Yes, I am. What for? Freedom sits down, scooting into the booth across from him. I like to know what is going on in the world. Freedom laughs. How about the internet? Are you too old school for that? I get on the internet sometimes. Dial up, of course. Freedom looks puzzled. What's that? Now it's Glass's turn to laugh. It was a way to get on the internet when it first came out, way before your time. I guess. Freedom plays with a stray napkin that sits in front of her on the table. You must be old. How old are you, Glasses? I'm 52. Ever been married? Yes. Kids? Glasses smiles again. What is this, 20 questions? No, no kids. How about you? You married? Nah, Freedom answers. I'm too young to get married. I'm only 28. A lot of people would disagree with that statement, Glasses says, picking up his coffee cup and taking a sip. Yeah, I know, especially out here, Freedom agrees with him. All the kids in my class are married now, have kids. She shudders, imagining her having to take care of Lydia and A2 round the clock. They're too much as it is. You have plenty of time to do those things, Glasses responds. You should be young now. Enjoy life. Freedom gestures around her. Yeah, this is a real great life. Working at the truck stop, slinging breakfast 24 hours a day. I've got it made. Besides, there are no good men in this town, and I ain't marrying no Indian. No offense against them. You got a boyfriend? A non-Indian boyfriend? Glasses asks, smiling again. No way. Like I said, no good men in this town. I bet there are some where you're from, though. Some big city with lots of guys in suits. Expensive ones. You wear expensive suits, glasses? He chuckles. Not usually. I imagine the city to be full of guys in suits, like lawyers and stuff. Which city are we talking about? Glasses scratches the stubble on his cheek. D.C., didn't you say you were from there? Freedom looks at him. I am. I had a boyfriend. Freedom is back to the previous conversation. He was a trucker. Used to come in here a lot. He was old, too, like you. How old? Glasses' smile has faded. 48. Told me he was 39, but I saw his driver's license once. He had muscles and a lot of tattoos. He was hot for an old guy. Said he was separated from his wife. I didn't believe him. Guys, they lie, you know. Glasses looks at her again, studying her. You are wise beyond your years. Anyway, Freedom continues, scooting out of the booth and standing up. He moved, or his trucking route got switched. Either way, stopped coming around. She shrugs, remembering the anticlimactic way things had ended, and realizes how little she cares. 
How come you don't have no tattoos, Glasses? She asks, her hand resting on his arm just a bit longer. She feels his bicep flex under her arm at her touch. How do you know I don't? Don't seem like the type. Freedom is about to explain, but just then, Dakota barks at her from the kitchen and yells at her to get to work. Freedom notices Glasses glance in Dakota's direction, and he balls up his fist. Freedom pokes him on the arm. What's wrong, Glasses? You jealous? Jealous I gotta go to work and serve people other than you? Freedom slides out of the booth and stands next to his bench, hand on her hip again. Maybe I am. Freedom can't tell if he's being serious or not. An idea hits her. Hey, glasses, we should go out. His head swivels up. Go out, he asks. Freedom thinks she detects a hint of excitement in his voice. Yeah, you know, drink alcohol, karaoke, you play pool glasses. I do, I'm decent. Well, so am I, Freedom insists. I'll bet you five bucks you can't beat me. Freedom hesitates, waiting for him to respond. Just when she thinks he is about to turn her down, he shrugs. Let's do it, he says, but not too late. I gotta head back to D.C. in the morning. All right, glasses! Freedom is excited. I'm off at six, and then we can go. As Dakota yells at her again, Freedom rolls her eyes and heads in the direction of the kitchen. I'll be here, Glasses responds, picking up his paper again. Figured as much, Freedom says, mostly to herself. Chapter 15, Ryan, Present. It's only when he goes to stand up that he realizes he's drunk. He's such a lightweight these days. A couple of beers never would have gotten him like this back in the day. Back in his drinking days, forget it. He'd need a pint of whiskey and a few beers just to get there. But tonight, here he is, six beers deep and two shots in, and he's feeling pretty good. Ryan glances down at the bar stool next to him and smiles as he watches Freedom leaning over the railing, talking with the bartender, some guy she knows, Johnny or John or Jimmy. Ryan hasn't been paying much attention to anything or anyone but her. She is talking with Johnny or Jimmy conspiratorially, holding her hand up next to her mouth and whispering in his ear. Her green crop top grazes the bar, and because one knee rests on the bar stool, her ass is up in the air, white jean skirt barely covering her ample butt cheeks. A white flip-flop with pineapples on it dangles precariously on her foot. Ryan wraps his knuckles on the bar, feeling beer foam and sticky liquor residue cover them. He pulls his hand away quickly. Freedom spins her head toward him, dropping her hand and giving him the once-over. Gotta hit the head again. Freedom laughs, shaking her head, her large hoop earrings swinging back and forth around her. Glasses, you pee more than any chick I've ever known. Ryan doesn't have a response for that, so he simply heads off in the direction of the men's room at the back of the bar. Once there, he checks himself out in the mirror, sunglasses on, 
dark Tommy Bahama shirt untucked, green cargo shorts and sandals. He looks like the picture of a middle-aged man on vacation. Ryan doesn't know if one could call what he is doing a vacation, but he is certainly having fun. In fact, he can't remember the last time he kicked back and let loose. Although he looks younger than his 52 years, he is a middle-aged man, one who, for tonight at least, has a much younger woman at his side. He wonders what the other men are thinking, or if they are wondering what his relationship to her is. Ryan sees the men look and wonder. He sees the jealousy and the bitterness on their faces. Not since Gina has he felt the stares of other men and reveled in their admiration. When he woke up in the motel room this morning, he had no idea that he would wind up at the Sundowner Saloon in Kingman 12 hours later. This is the first bar Ryan has been to in all of the years he has been coming to the area. Up until tonight, he had found it necessary to keep his wits about him while he was here. But Freedom had never asked him to see her outside of the truck stop before, so when she did... Ryan was surprised at how quickly he had agreed. He had waited in his booth while she finished her shift, clocked out, and went to change in the back. As he sat, he tried to read the rest of the paper, but realized he was reading the same sentence over and over. He was nervous. He began to have second thoughts about leaving the truck stop with freedom. What if someone saw them and generated unnecessary attention? What if he made a complete fool of himself and she thought he was a loser? He waffled back and forth for a while and was just about to get up and find freedom to let her know that he had changed his mind and that he was going to have to leave when he saw her walking out from the back. She wore the green top that exposed her midriff, a pale expanse of skin, flat as a board, with a few tiny freckles dotting it. The white jean skirt was too big around her waist and rode up against her thighs, making it seem even shorter than it was. Freedom distractedly tugged at the skirt with one hand as she walked. The hoop earrings touched the top of her clavicle bone, swinging wildly, skimming the straps of the white bra she didn't need with every other step. In her right hand, she held a plate with a cheeseburger and fries and on her left side was a wad of cash wedged under her armpit, between her ribcage and bicep. Her flip-flops slapped against the truck stop floor as she maneuvered her way around the counter and toward Ryan's booth. She smiled as she came nearer to him. Ryan couldn't wait for her to reach the table and sit down across from him, yet at the same time wanted her to continue walking toward him so that he could watch her forever. In one fluid motion, Freedom slid into the booth across from him, deposited the cheeseburger and fries on the table, released the wand of cash from her armpit, and placed it on the table in front of him. She then produced a small pouch that had, Ryan assumed, been in her hand hidden under the plate and unzipped it. With a wink in his direction, she pulled out a pack of cigarettes, a hot pink mini lighter, and the smallest flask Ryan had ever seen. She pulled a cigarette out of the pack, lit it with the lighter, took a short drag, and pulling the plate of food hungrily toward her, pointed the cigarette at the money. Count it, she ordered Ryan, 
taking the top of the bun off of the cheeseburger and placing it on the plate. She put her cigarette in the ashtray beside her, picked up a few greasy fries, and deposited them on top of the meat patty. Freedom then reached for the ketchup in the tray next to her right hand, grabbed the bottle, popped the white rubber top open with her teeth, and squirted a large amount of the condiment on top of the fries. Before closing the top of the ketchup, again with her mouth, she squirted a tiny dollop of the red sauce onto her left forefinger and licked it off, letting the tip of her finger remain in her mouth for a second longer than necessary as she looked up to meet his eyes. Ryan saw the tip of her tongue work around the finger and red sauce, darting in and out of her mouth. With a loud pop and a sucking sound, she drew the digit out of her mouth, still meeting his gaze. Ryan found himself wondering if she had done that on purpose or if it was just an innocent habit. He would find himself wondering the same thing throughout the night as the scene before him played over and over in his head. Fitting the top bun over the ketchup and fries, Freedom picked up the burger and took a huge bite. She chewed loudly and quickly, swallowed, and reached for the cigarette again. She cocked her head to the side and spoke. Glasses, hello. Ryan had forgotten what she had ordered him to do. Count the money, please, Freedom said again, taking another drag of her cigarette and gesturing toward the wad of cash. I gotta see how much I made today so we can hit the town. She made air quotes with her hands when she said hit the town and then laughed at herself. She continued, but add on $5 to that number because I'm going to be rich when I beat you in pool and you pay up. We'll just see about that. Ryan could feel his face reddening behind his sunglasses. All of his misgivings about going with her were fading away. There was no harm in having a few drinks, he reasoned with himself. Besides, she had looked so excited when she had asked him to go. Ryan couldn't bear to let her down. He counted the money. Sixty-three dollars, he said to her, as if it were a question and not his conclusive findings. Freedom shrugged her shoulders and unscrewed the top of the flask on the table. It was a short shift. She took a swig from the flask and offered it to Ryan. He declined, telling her that he needed to drive. Such a goody two-shoes glasses. Freedom hastily ate the rest of her burger and drained the rest of the liquid from the flask. Popping up, she swept at the money on the table. Let's go. We're out of here. She headed toward the door without a backward glance. Ryan hurried to catch up but Freedom banged through the door before he could hold it open for her. Ryan had an innate longing to be as much of a gentleman as he could. He always felt primal here with her. As they neared Ryan's car parked in its usual side spot, he talked himself out of opening the car door for her. Freedom probably would have laughed at him had he done so, and this wasn't a date. He watched as she slung her little pouch onto the passenger seat, then sat down herself, almost crushing it beneath her skinny thighs. She kicked off her pineapple flip-flops, hauled her bare feet up onto the dashboard, lit another cigarette, and directed him toward Stockton Hill Road in Kingman. They drove an awkward but anticipatory silence, 
both looking out the window and stealing glances at each other when they thought the other wasn't looking. They had been at the sundowner for the past four hours, sitting at the bar, freedom the life of the party, saying hello to everyone she knew. Ryan would stand behind her, silent, content to watch her socialize in her element. Once or twice, she had waved her hand in his direction and proclaimed her mystery guest to be glasses, but other than that, Ryan stayed out of her way. He is taking a piss in the urinal when he hears the bathroom door creak open. The music, muffled before, suddenly gets louder by decibels, and Ryan can hear a woman singing. The bar has karaoke tonight, and for the past 90 minutes has been host to one terrible singer after the other. This girl is decent, though, Ryan thinks, and as he listens, realizes it is unmistakably freedom. Finishing in the bathroom, he leaves and walks toward the bar, looking over his shoulder at the tiny makeshift stage. Freedom stands there, holding the microphone against her chest. There's a stool to her left that goes unused. Ryan realizes she is singing Wide Open Spaces, the Dixie Chick song that was popular almost two decades ago. The background bar noise quiets to a hum as everyone strains to watch and hear the pretty girl with the pretty voice. Ryan signals to Johnny or Jimmy and asks for a bottle of Bud and two shots of whiskey. Neat. He plans to enjoy the rest of the show with a real drink. The girl up on the stage is radiant. She has everyone's attention with the way she sexily sways and sings. Ryan, sipping his whiskey, realizes he faces the same conundrum as he did less than three hours ago. He wants the girl back beside him in close proximity where he can touch her and smell her and keep her safe and at the same time never wants to stop watching her in front of him just out of reach. The song ends and the crowd that has gathered around the stage claps politely in admiration. Freedom takes a small bow and hops off the stage, tossing the microphone onto the stool. In a flash, she is at Ryan's side. She searches his face for what Ryan realizes is approval, but because he has his sunglasses on, she finds only stoicism. He tips his beard toward her and nods his head approvingly. That was really good. Thanks! She looks up at him expectantly, flushed from the quick walk back to the bar. Her eyes search his face for approval, but Ryan, his sunglasses on perpetually, imagines Freedom must not see what she is looking for from him because the look on her face changes quickly to one of disappointment. To appease her for his shortcomings, Ryan takes a step toward her so that his right forearm barely brushes hers. Her eyes light up, and she moves only her arm closer to his. There is no mistake they are touching, and Ryan feels the familiar jolt and tingle that starts at the top of his head and warms his whole body until it rushes down. There the warmth stays, expanding. Next, Ryan feels Freedom's hand. She slips her fingers in between his fingers and slowly slides them up and down. Ryan closes his eyes and pulls his head back, trying to concentrate on anything other than her touch and the way it is exciting him. Freedom leans across him, her tiny torso stretching out toward the bar, and drops Ryan's hand in order to clasp the second shot of whiskey on the bar 
that has started to bead droplets of condensation. This for me, she asks, no one in particular, averting her gaze from Ryan's. Yes, it is, Ryan says, but Freedom is no longer paying attention. She downs the shot and, beckoning to Ryan for him to follow, walks toward one of the pool tables in the far right corner. Grabbing his beer off the bar, Ryan follows her. By the time he reaches the pool table, she is already talking to a group of Native American guys who look to be in their mid-twenties. She is swaying, leaning against the table, asking them something. She is drunk. Ryan hears her asking the men if she and Ryan can play at the pool table. The men are milling around it, holding pool cues, but don't seem to be involved in a game. The men look her up and down, then I, Ryan. The fattest of the three speaks first. Who is that? He asks, pointing his cue in Ryan's direction. Your dad? The Indians laugh, hitting each other. Freedom laughs too, trying to hitch her butt up to rest on the pool table. It is too high for her, so she stumbles, almost losing her balance, but rights herself at the last minute. Who? Glasses? She slurs, steadying herself with one hand against the table. Before Ryan can say anything, she continues. Glasses is my boyfriend. The Hualapais laugh again, this time more hesitantly. Their laughter dies off, and they all glare at Ryan. The second man takes a sip of his beer and addresses Freedom while still looking at Ryan. Why are you wasting your time with this old fuck? Hot piece of ass like you? The man glances up and down at Freedom again. Yeah, the first one chimes in. You get off on changing Grandpa's diaper every night or something? From the vantage point behind her, Ryan can see Freedom raise her hands in the air and put up both middle fingers. But before he can step up in between her and the Hualapai men, the second one reaches out an arm and grabs Freedom by one of her outstretched middle fingers. Freedom is yanked forward, her hair flying out behind her. She gives a small yelp, and as Ryan watches, the man spins her around by her finger until she is facing out into the bar. He rears his arm back and it comes down hard on her ass. Ryan can hear the slap of it reverberate even over the din of the noise in the bar. Freedom's eyes open wide, her mouth making a visible O shape. You asshole, she starts to cry out, wrestling to get away from him. But the man's grip on her arm tightens and as Ryan watches, the Hualapai man moves in so that his face is next to Freedom's. His hand curls around Freedom's jawbone, jerks it toward him, and stretching out a long, slimy tongue, licks the side of Freedom's face. Before he knows what is happening, Ryan is flying toward him, throwing his beer bottle against the far wall. He crashes into the Indian, one hand circling around his throat, while the other pushes his shoulder up against the wall. Ryan slams him into the wall again for emphasis, sticking his right hand into the lowest pocket in his cargo shorts and producing his federal marshal badge. He smashes the badge against the Hualapai's cheek and pushes hard enough so that the man's head is turned at a 90-degree angle. You see this? Ryan growls into the man's face, 
Do you see this badge, you stupid fuck? I'm a federal goddamn marshal, you stupid motherfucker. Look. He brings the badge back and crushes it against the man's cheek. After he does, Ryan pushes the man's face back against the wall and points his badge at the other two men. They stare blankly at him, mouths agape. If I ever see any of you stupid redskin fucks ever come near her again, I'll put a tomahawk through your skulls. Got that? Ryan loosens his grip again on the man, who splutters and slumps down against the wall. The man nods, his eyes closing as he puts his hands around his own throat. Ryan drops his badge in his pocket, turns quickly, and seeing freedom, grabs her by the hand. The bar patrons begin to talk again excitedly. A smattering of applause starts, and Ryan hears a murmur of appreciative chatter. One guy yells out, Badass! But Ryan doesn't stop to acknowledge any praise. He pulls Freedom out the door of the bar and deposits her in the passenger seat of his car. He gets in the car, pulling away out of the parking lot, and squeals onto the interstate. He looks at Freedom. She looks dazed. The sleeve of her top has come off of her shoulder, and only one hoop earring now dangles from her right ear. Other than that, she looks okay. She absentmindedly strokes her middle finger. I'm okay, she responds, shaking her head. I think that fucker broke my finger. Ryan glances over at her and sees that the finger is black and blue and swollen to twice its size. He turns his head back toward the road. He needs to pay attention. Adrenaline, testosterone, and alcohol are pumping through his veins, and he is going 90 miles an hour. Looks broken, he concedes, turning right onto the road where his motel is. Freedom, seemingly unfazed by his admission, looks out the window. Where are we going? She asks him. Her eyes look glazed and she giggles to herself, throwing her arm out and letting it rest on Ryan's. He realizes she is still drunk. To my motel, he says, swinging the car into the parking lot. You are staying here tonight where you'll be safe. I'll sleep on the floor. Freedom looks at him, finally comprehending. She nods her head in agreement and stepping out of the car, dutifully follows him up to the motel door. Ryan unlocks it and stepping into the room, flips on the light. He motions to the queen-size bed in the middle of the room and pushes the swing bar against the door, locking it. You can sleep there, he says awkwardly, and he moves around Freedom to take his badge and his wallet out of his pockets and place them on the bathroom counter. He reaches for his dop kit and the gauze he has stashed inside. Now let's see about that finger, he starts to say. Grabbing the gauze, he turns around, surprised to see her, not on the bed, but standing still in the middle of the room. She ignores him and looks him in the eyes. When she speaks, she has a serious tone to her voice. No one has ever done that for me before. Ryan looks at her, remembering. Done what? he asks, knowing the answer, but needing desperately to hear it from her. Saved me, she says, tilting her head. Ryan is silent. You saved me, Freedom says, repeating the phrase as if she is only just now realizing the truth in those words. 
Why did you do that? He clears his throat. Because, he starts, then stops. Because why, Freedom insists. Ryan shifts his feet and looks up from the floor at her, standing across the room. Because it's my job. He waits for her reaction. Freedom remains expressionless for what seems like hours. Next, she is moving toward him, as if in slow motion. Suddenly, she is next to him, her body inches away. Her arms encircle his waist, and she rests her head against his chest. Then her arms travel up over his torso, her hands running against his chest until they clasp together around his neck. Freedom sighs contentedly, a little girl sigh, eyes closed, and she pulls his face toward hers until her lips find his. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.